Hey everyone, welcome to the B2B Power Hour podcast, where we release special interviews with marketing and sales leaders, as well as our live show, all in audio format. If you haven't already, make sure to follow Nick and I out on LinkedIn. Our profile links are in the description, or you can also just search for us or B2B Power Hour. Now on to this week's episode. Good morning, Morgan, and happy Thursday. Uh, Yes, good morning, and unusually, a very happy Thursday to you. I before we went live, Nick started to sing some Christmas music, and that's definitely where I'm at mentally right now. <laughs> so, for anyone joining this morning, thank you uh, for for being here. If you're here, drop a hey in chat. We'd love to say hello. Um, we've got a great topic, I think, today, Nick, uh, to talk about. What do you do during the holiday season? All right, everyone's busy. Uh, people don't respond. People say stuff like, ah, we'll talk about that in, in the new year. So as a sales professional, how do you use this time? How do you make it a slingshot maybe for your success? So good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us during the holiday season. If anybody's rocking their ugly Christmas sweater, throw it in the chat. I'm not going to sing for you guys. That was... It's okay. I won't quit my day job. <laughs> hey, Tiffany, thank you for joining us. This is one of those topics that is super controversial. Mm-hmm. And I've been on both sides where I was expected to do one or the other. And so during the holiday season, it's typically driven by your sales manager. Slingshot engaged. Hey, Andy, how are you doing? <laughs> it, it really comes down to your sales manager and what they believe is the right thing to do during the holiday season. And I've been, I've worked for both. One that believes that it's unethical to be prospecting and selling during the holiday season. And so essentially here in Canada, they would go right after Remembrance Day, second week of November. What do they do? They disconnect. They're done. They're not doing anything. And so they kind of coast, which is scary because they're coasting until like February, March. Yeah, that's crazy. Hi, Jeffrey, by the way. Hi, Andrea. Thanks for joining. Good morning, everyone. Um, and, And then we have the other sales manager where they know that this is the worst quarter and the worst couple months are about to begin. And they do the complete opposite. They almost go like Wolf on Wall Street and they are pulling out the most shady shit to try to go and, yeah, ramp, you know, they go and do their morning meetings and they're looking for ways to screw people out of their money. Like it, and there's no real happy medium that I've ever worked with. But I'm going to tell you right now, it doesn't, doesn't matter what camp you're in. And please throw, you know, let me know in the chat. Are you no selling during the holidays or are you all for selling during the holidays? Throw it in the chat. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't, you're in trouble. And this year has been the weirdest year too. That's saying something. (laughs) Yeah. Like I've never had a, I've never had a year where coming into my holiday season where I've had people hounding me to meet, especially between Christmas and New Year's, because a lot of people are realizing that this year, especially, and this is why this is so big and why I wanted to talk about it, is that people are realizing if they don't use it, they lose it. And so they have to go and use their budget before the physical year end, the physical year end, or it's gone. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of companies are realizing that now is the time and they waited too long. And they also want to kickstart next year because they're realizing too that COVID isn't going away. And even Mm -hmm. if it does, 
the way we want to buy has changed. Same with our buyers. So it means the way we have to sell has evolved. And so this year it's, it's fast. Mm-hmm. It's not the slow pace that it normally is. Mm-hmm. And so what do you guys think? Has it been faster for you? Slower? Throw in the comments. Yep. Also, hi, Liz. Hi, Camila. Thanks for joining. <clears throat> Thank you, everyone. Yeah, and the, really, what happens? And this is, I've seen this happen a few times, and it's really tough, is you'll have the salesperson that believes it's unethical to go and sell. And I actually saw this in my poll, where and I can pull up the results, but most Yes, you did people, a poll this week. You should uh, uh, explain the, what, what question did you ask and what were the results? This is a good poll. <laughs> I asked, should you not be selling during the holidays? And it was about 50-50 between yes and no. But the thing that was interesting, it was actually 25-25 for yes and no and 50% for show me the answer because people are wondering what is the best course of action. Because right now, sales are really struggling unless you're virtual. And all of the traditional methods that we got taught, you know, really from the books from the 80s and 90s are failing. And so all the methods that worked up to the you know 2010s don't work anymore. And so I'm going to tell you a story about the ethical seller. And we can go buy, dive more into the polls. Mm-hmm. But um, I worked with a guy years ago that he was the most ethical seller. And so he stopped selling in November, but he was new. And so he worked really hard through the year. He budgeted. He was good. And this year... He came in and he had no sales, no pipeline, nothing built and tried to coast through the season. And the managers kept telling him like, you know, you got to get your activities up. You're going to have to keep pushing. You got to go work. You know, it's, and he said, I just don't want to talk to people and interrupt them during their holidays. This is time with family and friends. And their manager's like, yeah, that's great, but you have a job to do. So go sell, just do more. He's like, well, how do I do it in a way that's ethical? He's like, I don't care how you do it. Just do more. And that's what he kept getting told. Well, January rolls around. He's still in trouble. February rolls around and he gets fired. Because he has no pipeline. He has no, he's not predicting any revenue coming in soon. So they just let him go. And I always go back to the story because I realized that a really good Q1 if you're just starting now, you're actually late. Even if you have, you know, 30-day sales cycles or, you know, less than 90, you're you're a little late to the party. You should have actually started building in November and been, you know, mm-hmm. somewhere between the three to six months ahead to set yourself up for success. And this is why the holiday season is actually an incredible time to slingshot forward because it's my favorite time to build pipeline. <laughs> and... So think about the numbers. I was talking to a company the other day that they need to do 100,000 in sales to hit target on average. Morgan, what do you think they need to go and have in their pipeline to hit 100,000 in sales? What would be your guess? Uh, five to six times that. <laughs> I mean, minimum, right? At minimum, unless if they have like a really good sales qualify or sales qualification process and they're closing 20% of whatever's in pipeline, but that's unusual. So it's probably higher. <laughs> so when we did the numbers and we crunched everything down from how they actually valued their deal stages mm-hmm. and the reality of closing, it actually worked out to eight to 10 times. Whew. 
just for a rolling 90, they'd have to have about 800,000 to a million dollars sitting in pipeline to hit their numbers. And that's not all going to close in that month. That's closing over the 90 days, but that's what gave them enough room to be creative, to be ethical, to go and respect their buyers because buyers buy when they're ready. People are buying at any time of the year. The only time it becomes unethical, in my opinion, is when you're trying to force them on your timeline. Mm -hmm. We help people make decisions. And the reality, I heard it the other day on, I think it was Gong's podcast, that there, there's a thing too where it's know and grow. Once they know the value that you you can bring, they grow. Mm-hmm. This is also a time for that. We gotta, mm-hmm. we can't just think that we're gonna be doing just building pipeline and just generating deals. We also gotta look at how are we going to help our customers and grow our accounts by providing an even better business case and providing even more value. That's what this well, time is for. It's not for shady tactics. And what I really like about that perspective is if you have a good understanding of your customer, you may understand their budget cycles as well to what you had brought up right at the beginning, which is people may need to spend money before the end of the year. And so this is a time of the year in which chatting with them, you know, helping them navigate their own decision-making process, inserting your product into that conversation is actually a really valuable activity because they have a budget to spend. And if they're for, I used to have to navigate budget cycles as a staffer and not as a vendor. And it was as frustrating being inside a large bureaucracy as uh, it is trying to sell to it. And, you know, budgets are established two years, potentially in advance, depending upon how large the company is. So if the stakeholders at the company, this is just a very niche example, but a valuable one. But if the stakeholders at the company have money to spend, they're looking for ways to spend it. And potentially this is the right time to strike up that conversation, even if the close doesn't happen before December 31. Um, it, you know, it depends on what your stakeholders need and it depends on how, uh, people are interacting with you inside the sales process and especially your sales cycle to what Nick was talking about. How long does it, is your average time to close <laughs> from entering your pipeline? I just pulled up that poll just to go and oh, see yes. where we're sitting. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of interesting. The tides have turned. We are now at 26, 24, 50. So more Interest- people not by much, are believing that we shouldn't be doing any prospecting. Mm. So that's 93 to 86. And 177 that said we shouldn't, that we, they just don't know. Yeah. And so what do you think, Morgan? Should we go and dive in? Do you guys want to know what you should be doing? Or what what we'd recommend you do during the holiday season? To make that (laughs) slingshot to go and really crush your Q1? I do, I do, I do. (laughs) So it's a little late for this, but one of the things I actually start this whole Mm -hmm. process with is breakup emails. I get rid of the trash. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not as harsh as that sounds. It is a good way to say it, though. (laughs) If there's anything that's holding me back and it's, it's tying up time that doesn't need to be spent, I go through and I clean out and I do my breakup emails. And I like Chris Voss is very simple of the, have you given up on this? And sometimes I'll go in a little more detail than just say like the ball's in your court. 
I, you said this is something you wanted mm-hmm. based off of this, that so on higher level accounts, I'll go into a little more detail and I'll rephrase the reason that we met in the first place and what I discovered in discovery. So what was the business case for us to work together? And I'll put it in the body of the email and I leave it and I do not follow up and I, I will go and put them in close, close lost. Mm-hmm. And if they decide to resurface bonus, but the, if I can throw my own sauce on this, the, I liked Blair ends, uh, I think he calls it the magic email or closing the loop email, which is instead of, I mean, it's, um, it's sort of a way to kickstart a conversation. And it's definitely one of those that depends upon the client because it's not the Chris Voss question. It's more of a statement, which is like, I haven't heard from you on this project or opportunity, whatever that is. So I'm going to assume you've gone in a different direction or your priorities have changed. You know, let me know if I can be of assistance in the future. Thanks. And that's a, I've used that to success, at least in the creative world. Um, because the clients, they're like, ah, oh, we just got too busy. We forgot to get back to you, all that rest. So it, it it can be a conversation opener and either of them, it just, I think, depends upon the kinds of clients that you're servicing and how much detail they need, you know, yeah. to be reminded. And the thing is, and I like uh, how Chris Voss says, like, be unstoppably nice. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be completely honest. This is not your opportunity to be an asshole. Yeah. And I've seen this where people, they try to go and puff their chest and they're like, I am man, I can, you know, I'm too good for you. You don't need, don't deserve me. That's why you're not moving forward. That never works ever. So if that was, if somebody's giving you that advice, they obviously haven't sold before or haven't been a high producer and they're just reading stupid books from half-assed salespeople telling you what to do. And there's a lot out there. So just, just so you know, that will ruin your reputation if you're sending those types of emails to VPs and high, like seniority. I wouldn't recommend it. It, it mm. does not work well. Any guess on the next one, Morgan? No, I'm, I'm ready to be surprised. <laughs> it's to do an analysis of the year. Mm-hmm. And so what I do is I go in, into the CRM and I do a win-loss analysis. Because business priorities change and our knowledge of the customer get, should, should, should get better with every year. So you got to go dip into your CRM, you know, HubSpot, Salesforce, whatever you're using, go in there, go into closed one and closed lost. Look at the most profitable customers. And if you don't know which ones, that's okay. Go talk to management, go talk to finance, go and figure out which ones are the best to deal with. Go talk to customer success, get them everybody in a room. And do your best to do an audit and figure out who who is the, who bought the fastest, who was the easiest to go and find the value. And they discovered it. Maybe they discovered it themselves. Like they were quick. They're like, this is the best product I've ever had. And success was able to onboard them quickly and move them through that process. And it, you know what? They may have already come back and bought more. Those are who I want you to go into your win-loss analysis with. Because if you do it with everyone, you won't see the trends. And try to keep it to industries if you can. If you can't, then you'll you have to go and focus on psychographics. But you'll see inside their heads, why is this working? And you have to ask the really tough questions. And this takes time, so you don't want to rush it. And then all mm-hmm. I do is I take the last 10 or 20 lost. And I start, I'll go and follow up with them. And I'll ask them, from when you started this sales process with us, 
did it align with what you thought you were getting? And sometimes I'll find out that we pitched it differently, framed it differently, which did not meet their expectations, which also helps with positioning, how to change the value conversations in your sales process. This is a huge, huge learning lesson, which is worth the month. Yes. And this can fill in those absent sales meetings. That's okay. It's worth it. And the more people you can bring in in the organization in different departments, the better this works. Because then it's, it's company knowledge, not your knowledge, which don't get me wrong, it makes you more of an asset, but it also makes you look like a hero when you're asking the <laughs> questions that people aren't brave enough to ask. Well, and I think at a broader level, like tis the season for annual reflection anyways. And for me, the the reason that that's important, not just in a personal life, but in your business activities, is that you've probably learned a lot over this past however many months. I know a lot of people this last year have switched jobs. They've joined new companies. They've occupied new roles. And it's mm -hmm. a great opportunity to sort of make a little space to say, okay, what do I know now that I didn't know four months ago or six months ago? That is actually an, an unbelievably powerful question because you, and if you write it all down, and, and I mean pen and paper or something like actually physical, documented, say here's actually what I know now that I didn't know then, it can really help clarify and condense your thoughts about what you now know about your customers, what you now know about your sales processes. And when you fold in what Nick is talking about here, now starting in literally uh, a couple weeks, you'll be able to resume with confidence in the new year all of this assembled and assimilated knowledge about your customers, what worked, what didn't work. And you can be able to communicate that to other folks on your sales teams or your managers or other people in this conversation that you're having saying, here's what I, you know, here's what I figured out. And also, more importantly, it just makes you better, <laughs> as Nick was saying, like makes you more of an asset. The, not that knowledge alone is power, but that your ability to use the knowledge at your disposal and, and use it to great effect in the sales process allows you to either accelerate pipeline, find the right personas to start a conversation with at an individual account, because you saw the 10 wins that, you, that pipeline had in the last uh, three months all started with a particular kind of person at these companies. But if you don't mm -hmm. look, you don't know, you know, it's, it's guesswork and it's best to, I mean, guesswork's fine, but the less that you can guess and the more confident that you can be that the decisions you're making are uh, historically successful, the more successful you can be. You, you coined it really well. I don't know if you stole this from someone else, but it was still great earned wisdom. It's your oh. earned wisdom that mm -hmm you have. And actually one of the activities I used to do every year is I would actually, whether I could or not, I would build a presentation as if I was presenting to the board, my knowledge of accounts, of personas, of deals. And I would look at, so I would basically do a marketing report as in a sales role of business development. And one of the hardest things I did when I did that as well, is I'd also look at who did we retain and who did we grow? And I would compare those to who we originally bought. And so this this is a powerful exercise that I, I very rarely see. But it was one of the reasons why I think my retention started to go up a lot is because I started to really not focus on my sales process as much as I focus on who I was talking to. Mm -hmm. And the messaging that I was using 
to really get their ear because it was what they needed to hear. And it was also the best fit for us. And that is a win-win, but you can't just get that by half, half fast and stumbling upon it. It's with reflection that you get there. Mm -hmm. And so now you have these lists, Morgan, what do you think you do with them? I don't know, Nick. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just playing dumb, man. I'm just going (laughs) to let you continue to. (laughs) What I do is I, I I update my account lists. This is my time where I'll do my cleanse. And that's part of why I do the, the breakup emails. And I will go and sort through my account list and my lead list to make sure I'm talking to the right accounts, that my segmentation is correct, and that my who I pick for my personas were the right people to talk to. And I've also noticed that different personas show up in different industries and different company sizes. And that's an, also another reflection of, okay, who is another influencer? Who is another decision maker that I had to go and include is it somebody that I should bring into the fold right away or should I be waiting for them to jump in at the last second and crush my deal? I like to get ahead of things because nothing worse than coming somebody coming in at the finish line and going, actually, I would like to veto this whole process. Uh, goodbye. That's the worst. It, it really is. But it's so important to do this. And I cannot stress this enough. It's so important to do this in December and start now Because you need to build relationships first. And the biggest reason why, especially when you get to larger companies, relationships build trust. Trust gives you knowledge and earned wisdom. Because they might only give you half the story. And uh, (laughs) thanks, Jeffrey. If, um, If you don't go and dive in and you don't have those influencers ear, they won't give you the information you really need to put the right deal together. If you're talking with just somebody you think or says that they are the decision maker, it's left on their shoulders and somebody comes in and changes the buying criteria slightly and then a competitor wins because you weren't talking to somebody with authority. You were just talking to somebody that thought they had authority Mm -hmm. and that's a hard thing to find. But when you start now and you start building those relationships and you're always three to six months ahead building relationships, not just deals, you got to break this out from deals. You got to rub shoulders with the right people. When I used to work downtown Calgary, they actually expected us to be in certain locations in the downtown core at different times of day. Because we would actually map out who went where for lunch, who went where for coffee, where was the best place to go and sit for, you know, with the comfiest chairs and the quietest spot to take a phone call. It's great. Just so you were top, you know, now it's top of feed, top of mind. It's not Mm because they can't see you, Mm -hmm. but now they can see you on your, on their feet. Sometimes in their email, but when you're getting a few hundred emails a day, it's pretty hard to say top of feed, but these are the things you have to think about. So you have to review your account list and sales nav, mm-hmm. build them to no more than 50, be very tight on your segmentation. And then the reason why you're tight on your segmentation is for this reflection. So you can go back and update those personas and have those conversations at the right times. And right now, you can start reaching out to them in a way that is meaningful and you're not rushed. This is where salespeople get in trouble is when they're rushing a relationship because they need to go and hit quota Mm -hmm. or because they're hungry and they need to go and put food on the table. (laughs) Yeah. And this is why you've got to get ahead of it. Yeah. That's survival mode, which we've talked about previously on the live show. That's first gear if you're driving a car. And it's like, I don't have any... um, let's say judgment about being in first gear. It happens. I've been there. I know you've been there, there. Nick. Um, 
our earned wisdom, <laughs> as we talk about, is that it's not a fun place to be in. And even if you're in that spot now, because whatever happened in November and December, that's okay. You know, take this time to reorient yourself and do some of the stuff that uh, Nick is talking about. And especially what Nick just outlined. I love this time of year personally because it's my chance to clean up my downloads folder. <laughs> and oh, yeah. as a creative, I have a ton of stuff in my downloads folder, like months and months and All months. Video of, files and media. Oh, I don't even want to talk about it. It's it's sort of a mind-numbing <laughs> experience. But but the it's it's the same principle as updating your your sales nav list and and looking at your account segmentation and your personas that you're going after. This is a this is a time it, because chances are you may not be getting as many calls with people through the holiday season and that's fine. This is a time to really take to to create space and and do something with it. And for me, that means, you know, cleaning up and reorganizing and, and finding a foundation and being willing to change some stuff up and try something new. And you may not see dividends for that for a couple weeks, which is okay, or months. Or, or months even. But if you think about it in the long play, which is what am I doing now that can impact my success six months from now or 12 months from now, these activities become really really important because ultimately there's deals there's lots of deals out there and and you'll participate in lots of different deals in the next year and if you begin to ask okay what do i need to do to make sure that i'm more successful these next 6 to 12 months than i was this last 6 to 12 months or whatever that question may be for you mm-hmm. these sorts of activities are equipping you with the skills and insights needed to achieve that level of success that you want and all it is for me is just creating space. I have noise canceling headphones. <laughs> I don't have them on today, but you know, at, turn on some. I'm a lo-fi beats kind of guy, so turn on some lo-fi beats in the background and just like get into the oh. flow of things and just just spend some time working on that. If you can, I mean, I wouldn't recommend it depending upon the workplace. Turn off Slack. You know, uh, say you're away or whatever the status icon is for a couple hours and really just dive in to do this sorts of uh, work because it's so crucial. Uh, to slingshot into the new year. One thing to remember, guys, is what normally happens during the holidays that doesn't happen during the rest of the year. You will go to the grocery store. You go to the coffee shop. What do you notice that's different other than the decorations? People are warmer. Mm. It's the, the holiday spirit, right? People want to talk. They want to engage. They want to give... Seasons, greetings, whatever variety that comes out to be. But they want to engage more. But we've also been locked up for two years and all the stupid regulations and restrictions and everything that have been going around. People want to talk. Mm -hmm. But that's not, you know, they don't want to get pitch slapped. That'll work definitely against you. But right now, people are more open than ever to starting conversations if you're willing to come at it from a relationship standpoint and value-driven that is why I start this during the holidays and I try to start it in about the first, maybe second week of December at the latest, because then I can start engaging with the right people. And you have to go through your list and look at where people can be contacted the easiest, where it's the most, the least abrasive. Some people just use their email. 
You know, that's just their persona. Yep. That's how they communicate. That is the most natural to them. Some people just use their phone. I have some people, some customers that I've worked with for over five years that the only way I can talk to them is either a text message or a call on their cell phone. And that is the only way I'll ever get a hold of them. Same. Yep. I have some clients like that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but if you don't go and do this and you don't start this now, this is how it gets hard because now you're rushing. So use the holiday season to your advantage as a slingshot to accelerate relationships, which will accelerate deals because tr- you can't move faster than the speed of trust. Mm-hmm. I've tried with all my different sales managers, different sales tips and tricks and everything else. And I told them, they don't trust me. It's not going to magically happen. So there we go. Yep. So now you go and have your, you have your list built out. Now you just start contacting people, but not, you're not contacting them in a way to go and start a deal. You're trying to build relationships and you want to find the low hanging fruit in December and January, because this will also carry into January. And you got to really look at your accounts because now you have time. This is where you should be doing your research. I know Liz is great at this. And I know Andrea is also building her cadences. It's two great activities to be doing during this time. So you can launch strong in January. And what you want to do is you go and look. Okay, so if these are my four you know, personas that I have to target, who's the best one to start with now? And start becoming... Ta- that name recognition. So they start talking about you around the office and they're thinking about you during the holidays so that when you come back in January and you keep going with that conversation, it's easy. That's the difference. You're making it easy to go and have those harder conversations later down the road when you're asking the tough questions. Which persona should you be targeting? Are they on LinkedIn? Where are they? How can you get a hold of them in a way that doesn't, you know, trigger their spidey senses that you're trying to sell them shit? Yeah, what like is a it cold FaceTime? No. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's, Sorry. Right? It's, it's those little things. And so mm-hmm. when you do this right, it works. It opens up those doors and it makes it so much easier because you have that relationship. And plus, you've got these sales nav lists and everything cleaned up. So now you can do your comment strategy. Now you can go and start investing your time again. The reality is, if they're commenting on LinkedIn, they want to be on LinkedIn. And so you don't have to ask yourself, well, are they, you know, do they want to hear from me during Christmas break? Do they want to hear from me on whatever date? It's asynchronous. It doesn't matter. If they're posting, they use it. You know, maybe this is the time you go and explore YouTube or TikTok. Go comment. Go and see if it's a better platform to be on. Yeah. I know where I'm staying. but Yep. No, I, I mean, <laughs> same, but. <laughs> and then. Another time for this is to reconnect with top accounts. We all get busy. And just before everybody starts to slow down to go and spend time with friends and family, how can you reconnect in a meaningful way? Uh, One thing I got told to do years ago that I still works is handwritten letters. Mm -hmm. It could be a simple thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of my, one of the mentors that I saw do this really well would share one of their favorite memories with them. That's really good. And it was always really powerful. Mm-hmm. But because it's a letter, they open it whenever they're ready. You could also do this with a video. Try it with Vidyard. Mm-hmm. I've seen people do it. I don't I don't have any of this, the metrics to see if it worked. But you got to get creative and you got to do it in a way that's unexpected. 
but valuable. That is how this works. If it's if it comes across as salesy, they're like, oh, they're just trying to sell me something. It doesn't work. Or if it feels like they're lining up, like I think they're trying to go and line me up to sell me something in the new year, it doesn't work. So that's why it has to be unexpected value. And it has to be about the person, not the deal. And so think, think, and if you guys want to go and shoot me a DM or Morgan to go and brainstorm, mm-hmm. please do let, and also let me know what works. I, I use messaging a lot of the time. I'll just go and give them a phone call. Ask them how they've been. And I have that conversation with them instead. Cause I, that's what I prefer. And it's worked for me in the past. I might actually, you know, I'd actually think talking it through. I think I might go and try videos this year because then they can see it when they have time. Yep. And share that memory. Yeah, and, and what's so crucial to me is the, your insistence on it's just building a relationship, just providing value, checking in how they are, how you doing. Those sorts of conversations are are so meaningful during this time of year, and it can feel difficult as a sales professional um, or somebody who has something to sell to be like, well, how, you know, how do I... <laughs> how do I just have a conversation? And I actually got a call from someone uh, just the other day asking about this. Like, well, how do I sort of continue this conversation? Like I reached out to them and asked them how they were. And I was like, well, what if you were at a party with them? Like, what if you were at a holiday party? What would you talk about? Would you talk about work? Would you try and sell them? Probably not. Right. You want to know, you know, how do you, I mean, there's so many endless topics and think of it like you're having a conversation at some sort of holiday party. At least that's one approach that could work for you. And the reason that that's important is it centers the conversation on just building a relationship and getting to know each other more. Every business deal I have ever been a part of has always included more than just the deal. It's, mm-hmm. it's about, the, I learn about their kids, I learn about where they're from, I learn this hilarious story one time where they were like backcountry skiing in Switzerland, whatever, okay? Like there's all sorts of things and experiences we all have to share and that builds trust because mm-hmm. one of the crucial elements of trust is, is called the vault, okay? But basically the vault is shared experiences and being a little vulnerable with each other and not telling other people about what you learned about this person. That's the essential premise. And that starts with just talking about life and just having a conversation. And what Nick said is so crucial. It's it's the holiday season. People want to feel connected, especially after these last couple of years where we have felt so disconnected or there's been so much noise and we felt so on edge all the time, it can be really meaningful just to have a good conversation with someone and to show up generously. That's another crucial element of trust. To be generous with your time and just to have a to build a relationship with someone. It doesn't have to be about a business deal. And in fact, in my experience, and I'm sure in yours, Nick, the more that I've tried to push the business deal, the quicker the deal goes south. <laughs> I've, I've never understood why when you slow things down, things go faster. And I, mm. maybe it's just because you're building depth. But it's like the, the golden word is no. You tell somebody no, and then they're trying to wonder why. I wouldn't yep. go that far on a deal, but it, it, it is interesting. And one thing, Morgan, that plays on what you were just talking about that I don't hear enough is because there's no deal, because the deal is not necessarily on the table. And I will say, if a deal's on the table, it usually surfaces itself in three days. 
72 hours from the first conversation. And if they want it, run with it. That's your job. Help help people that want to buy, buy. But uh, one thing I don't hear people talk about enough is because there's no deal, you get to talk to people one-on-one. And so this is where I go back to talking about influencers is I go and dive in with the influencers and deals to figure out what's in it for them. Of course, there's something that there's a business. There has to be a business case. Always. After the business case, what can win deals is also what's in it for the other people involved. The personal wins. Does somebody just want to keep their job? So they're going trying to implement something so that they look good. Are they trying to go and increase revenue because, you know, they've been, the quota hasn't been attained by reps. So they're trying to go and hit it for the next, you know, two, three months so that they can go and get that promotion they want. People aren't going to open up to you right away about that. That's earned. But that's why this is so critical. And this is why it's a slingshot because you can spend the next two months strategically building relationships in your industry and market. You can also network with the influencers on social media that are in your market and have your client's ear. So who in your industry do people listen to and engage with on a regular basis? Dive in. We talked about this with the cold prospecting on LinkedIn. Go comment on their post. Be one of the first to comment. But go down through the comments. Find people in your ICP. And it, the worst case scenario is you're just going to learn more about your customers, which mm-hmm. helps with cadences. This is why I do this. Is I can go and figure out more of my cadences and my messaging and my language so I can provide more value from the first message. And I, what is so funny that you just pointed out when you had said next couple of months it's not like, I mean, in, at least in my experience working in larger organizations, and this is even true in the smaller ones that I've worked with, January 3rd or whenever that rolls around, whatever the first day of the new year is after the holiday, is not the day people close. <laughs> Every, everybody's still slightly hungover from New Year's, okay? Like the, everything's going to kind of keep on going. And maybe there is a deal to close immediately, but that's... Uh, not going to be super frequent. So these sorts of skills apply not just because it's December, but throughout the whole year, of course, but especially as the year gets started, you know, especially if you like a 90 day sales cycle and you're reaching out to somebody at the end of the year or in early January, that means that that may not close if it's a good opportunity until March or April. So spend the time now just to build the relationship. And lo and behold, and at least from what we've experienced, that tends to actually quicken the sales cycle. Yeah, it actually <laughs> it will reduce your sales cycle by about half. Mm-hmm. Just because you have trust. Yeah, because you're getting the right information faster than anyone else, which allows you to identify the right problem faster and then solve it in a way that has a legitimate business case that makes it urgent so they buy now. Why change? Why, why now? Mm-hmm. Two important questions that just got answered. And why your company, why you, why spend the money, all get answered in the process. Mm-hmm. Super critical. What do you think, Morgan? What else should people be doing? You know, if I had one thing for people to 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 look at, actually, this is a little bit more on the reflection side. I, this is a little bit more of a deep dive. So this is when you have maybe nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> or you have a couple hours on your hand that you really want to do is I would go and review if you're doing cold emailing or emailing, I, I would go and review what worked. 
Um, and this is a this is a a little more granular examination, but especially if you've switched jobs or if you've not been in the same position for the whole year or more than this past year, chances are you've had to learn a new product or learn a new process, learn a new messaging, positioning statements, and you've probably tried and experimented with different ways to communicate that to potential buyers. And it's so easy, at least for me, for all of that just to become noise and for me not to really critically examine what was working and what wasn't working. And this is a riff on what was mentioned earlier when you're looking at win-loss and pipeline. But if you're really struggling or if you're really curious about what you know, how can I get people to respond? What really worked? I would go back and look. Who are the prospects that you're talking to? And how and and look at the messaging that you used with them versus the messaging that you used with other people that maybe didn't respond or eventually didn't work out. Like what did you use the same language? And if so, what were the differences between the people that you were talking to to some of Nick's analysis? But for me, I mean, I as the marketer, where's my hat? The message that you tell, the story that you tell, the messaging that you use, how you position your product. Those are all crucial elements of especially the early sales process to get people's attention and to get people Mm -hmm. interested and engaged with what you may have to offer. So even with all this relationship building stuff we're talking about, eventually the conversation may turn to a product or it may eventually turn to what (laughs) your company has to offer. That's fine. And you want to be equipped with the kind of messaging and positioning that may work for them. So I would go back and review, especially emails or messages inside LinkedIn, like what really got people's attention? And if you haven't been experimenting and you're using the same exact thing all across the board, then I would use this time to dream up some new uh opportunities and to dream up some new stories that you might be able to try out in the new year. And what I mean by that is not huge riffs or huge innovations on the existing story, but slight alterations, right? So instead of, you know, prioritizing problem X, now you're prioritizing problem Y. Chances are your product solves a couple different problems. Or Mm -hmm. instead of saying, you know, this company also uses our product, how about another company? Or I mean, there's all sorts of endless little alterations that you might be able to experiment with. To me, just to close the loop on this, the reason that's important is different people need different things. And sometimes we get caught up in our own stories (laughs) and literally in, in our own messaging about our product that sometimes we forget that other people hear it differently than we do. And this is a great opportunity to sort of review and look at what is working for other people. Because, mm-hmm. and this is especially a fault as myself as a freelancer, I know everything <laughs> about what I want to offer. And chances are, as a salesperson, you know a lot more about the technical features and all of the sort of in and outs of what your product can do, but the people you're going after don't. And so while some of the sales processes and education experience about what your product can offer, a lot of the early term engagement is just getting them excited to interact with you and about the benefits, not the features, but the benefits that your product has or your service has, meaning how does it solve their problems? So I, I would, I would definitely look at messaging. Well said. Yeah, it's important. Mm -hmm. And I think the only other thing that I'd like to add in the show, and then I'd like to open it up for questions. 
So I think yes. this is a really important topic just to go and air out some questions because I know I've got a lot in my DMs is skill development. The only other thing that I don't hear enough is this is the time we have time. So looking at your strategy for next year of how you're going to attack your quarter, what tactics, what skills do you need to get better at? Are you going to do more email automation and marketing? Maybe. Are you going to use more video? Do you need to get better at editing that video and doing snippets? Are you going to do what we're doing? Are you going to do a long form video or thought piece? And then you're going to cut it down and use it for your content. How are you going to set that up? And if you start before you need to, then it's not as frustrating. Cause I know me and Morgan have learned a lot through this process. <laughs> Some of it was, a you know, it was quick go on YouTube or you go read a quick article. You ask somebody and you figure it out. Some of it's not. So take the time to figure out what is that next thing that you need to master. Maybe it's LinkedIn. Maybe it's you need to use a social media manager or like app, maybe like Hootsuite to go and do some of the scheduling to go free up your time. But we need to look at those income producing activities to figure out which ones we want to focus on. And I always recommend just three. And then once you have three, you can layer on more. But this is the time to read. This is the time to go on YouTube. This is the time to reach out to those people that are incredible at what you're trying to learn and pick their brains and ask them questions so that you can get better. And I do this all the time and LinkedIn's a great resource for it. So is YouTube, but people are open to this. You know, I've, I've reached out to quite a few different authors and they are more than open to go and help you if you're willing to put the time in to ask good questions. Good questions mm -hmm. showing that you reflected on what they wrote and you're adding something that adds to. So you're going over and be above and you're trying to clarify. So it's like the over. old uh, oh, yeah, mentorship go, go thing. Like, mm. you know, when I was, what I see with a lot of um, younger folks who are emerging, especially from like college and um, or early in their career, there's always this question of like, <laughs> how do I get a mentor? And the funny thing is, Everyone wants to mentor someone. Like, that's so cool. You get to say, oh, I have a mentee. And it's the same thing. All, all it is is asking good questions. It's looking for their insight. It's, it's getting their advice. You know, psychologically, a mentor is status. It provides them status. And so uh, similarly, if you're asking questions to influencers or authors or anybody else, it validates that status that they want. And so you're you're getting insight from them. It's it's sort of the same thing um, in, in a different way, of course. And if you don't have a mentor, find one, you know? <laughs> there's It's great to learn from other people with different perspectives. And it's time of year, you know? If you want to kick off the new year with upgrading skills, tis the season. Uh, sorry, I, I think I cut you off, Nick. Nope. I was just going to do a wrap up. Cool. So, yep. Really simple. <laughs> Sounds really simple. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we say really simple, but we chuckle about that. Yeah. <laughs> and please, if there's anything you guys have questions about, or if you're just not sure, please shoot us a message and we can clarify for you. But this is what I've done and it works. And this is what I've also asked other people going from that poll and asking them is break up emails. Clean your list, get out, get rid of the garbage, free up your time. Win-loss analysis. Every year the market changes a little bit. So does your knowledge of that customer and that's where the real value comes in. Update it. Accountant lead lists. 
as your market changes, so will your positioning and so will your targets. So figure out from that earned wisdom what accounts you should target this year, what segments, and then what personas align with those segments that you should be building relationships now. Cadences. Go through those cadences and update it with that new messaging that you've developed that from the win-loss and those other conversations. Professional development. This is a great time to learn to get those tactics for the next strategy for the next quarter. Dive in. It's a good investment. And mentorship. Mm-hmm. Mentorship is powerful. People love when you reach out to them to go and respect their experience and knowledge. Totally. Also works in a comment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you everyone for joining today. Uh, Nick, this has been such a fun session and I hope everyone can construct their holiday sales slingshot. Uh, we'll be back next week with some predictions for 2022 because, of course, we couldn't escape that classic <laughs> idea. But it's actually going to be a really fun conversation. I can't wait. Um, so thanks, everyone, and happy Thursday, as strange as that is to say. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Bye. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> Bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of the B2B Power Hour podcast. Make sure to subscribe to catch all of our upcoming episodes, and we'll see you next time.